Ennis Britton, this is Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. You got a minute? Yeah, of course. What's going on? Well, we just got out of an, of an IEP meeting. It was really productive. Actually, um, we've got a few team members here on speakerphone. Okay. Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, so we had a good meeting. Uh, what were you working on? We were, well, we have a student who has significant behavioral challenges, and everyone on the team agreed that we need to reduce the demands for him mm-hmm. so that he can get a benefit out of his education. Mm-hmm. We're thinking we might want to try to reduce his school day since almost every afternoon it seems like he is in a complete meltdown. The parents are really supportive and they want to see if this works. How do we do this while we're staying compliant with the law and IDEA? Okay. Hey, you know, this is great when we're in agreement, the school team, the parents on the team as well. So let's first step back and then talk about how you got to this point. And then we're going to have a good idea about some next steps for compliance. Well, we had been trying um, some kind of PBIS interventions with the student and we were um, tracking data daily to see how he was doing each period. And we noticed through that data collection over the period of a month um, from in between staffings that around, you know, in the afternoon after lunch, we were really seeing more occurrences of this meltdown behavior. And then from there, we moved on to do a functional behavior assessment after receiving consent from the parent and had some observations done, had a lot of information from the team, including his teachers about academics and behavioral things that they were noticing in their classes, um, wrote a behavior intervention plan, and we've been following that for a while, and it still seems like it's very difficult for him to make it through the entire school day. Welcome to Season 2 of On the Call, Ennis Britton's special education law podcast. I'm Erin Wessendorf-Fortman. And I am Jeremy Neff. And we are ready to dig into this call. So these are calls I like to get, right? The parents and the school are on the same page. And if you ever call your attorney when you're on the same page uh, with the parents, just to make sure you kind of take the right next step, smart. It is smart. And then your attorney will also then start to ask you lots of questions to verify you are actually on the same side of the same page. Because sometimes we think we're there and yet... Oh, maybe you're reading it through the backside of that page. and even yeah. Or it's a different book. We didn't even realize it. We were sitting at the table. Different books. We're both on page 45. Different True books. story about my youngest brother. He called me when he was in high school. I think it was AP English or something. And I had raved about reading Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison's classic book, Amazing. And uh, he decided to read that as part of summer reading. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm reading The Invisible Man, and I just don't get it. Like, where does he start to talk about, like, race and things like that? I'm like, The Invisible Man? He's like, yeah. I said, no, no, no. Invisible Man. Totally different book. Forget about that word, the. I'm not the. so sure about your book recommendations. Oh, no. That's, that's a good one. The Invisible Man? I don't know. I've never read it. I don't even remember the name of the one book you recommended to me, but it was like zombie apocalypse, dude, all by himself, and I was done. Oh, The, the, whole the world, Road. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Awful. That's a good one. It's awful. It was, I like peppy, upbeat. I do not That's need not to be bad. depressed. It is depressing and it will leave you alone in a room by yourself for days. So in any event, I agree. Yeah. Let's go to the positive. <laughs> Let's go to the positive. <laughs> Parents in school on the same page. Same page. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. At least we're reading from a book from both parties. And so with that, though, Jeremy, when we're looking at a shortened day, if we're both on the same page, where is our focus here? Where does that really need to be as that team, district, and parent? Yeah, I mean, well, we, we do have some 
law we can look at as we like to start these episodes, just going through regulations, things like that. It comes down to, I think, FAPE and LRE. And uh, with FAPE, you know, thankfully the Supreme Court now six years ago gave us a great definition that sort of gives us a little bit of clarity. Does it, though? Uh, maybe. It reasonably calculated to enable a child to make progress appropriate in light of the child's circumstances. <laughs> Boy, that's, I mean, that's almost a mathematical formula. I mean, A plus B equals C <laughs> yep. right there. No, because what you and I are going to look at is to be reasonably calculated is going to be different than maybe some parent counsel as well as what progress and then in light of a child's circumstances, there could be varying degrees of disagreement. But that's what this comes down to, though, right? Correct. So here, the you know, it, it's about does this school day that the parent and the team have agreed to, does that allow the child to receive FAPE? But that's not the end of the calculation, right? So we look at LRE instead, and not instead as well. I did a lot of but also in a previous episode or a coming episode whenever they decide to air. <laughs> so I'm trying to make sure as well. I'm as gonna, well. I'm going to find my whole thesaurus for all of the phrases. It's going to be great. But in looking at LRE, making sure that placement, it is with typical peers to the maximum extent appropriate, except when, and we've talked about this previously in other pods, is to talk about when those supports and special education services cannot be achieved satisfactorily. And so I think when you're looking at that shortened school day or shortened school day in a separate facility or any or all of the above, looking at that proof, that documentation of it cannot be achieved satisfactorily, even if it is a documentation of the conversation for the district's understanding for why it will not. So to go to the caller, hey, everybody agrees. We understand the student's behavior is doing X, Y, and Z. We're struggling. This is our statement to say this is the appropriate LRE for the student because a full day is not allowing the child to achieve satisfactorily appropriate progress, and we yep. cannot support them otherwise within that environment. Yep. But when you move from school day – What's a school day? I mean, my kids go to two different schools now, and the school days look vastly different. And I don't even know that my kids' school my kids' school days look the same as your kids' school days in another district. Right. Yeah. And we, thankfully, we do have a definition of school day. We don't have a definition of shortened school day, so don't waste a lot of time looking for that. If you're in a state that does, shoot us an email at oh, ennisbritton at podcast. Uh, no, podcast at ennisbritton.com. Um, <laughs> Get that email right next time, yeah, marketing yeah, fool. Yeah, it's fine. sorry about that. But I think we can look at a dictionary, right? We mm -hmm. have school day defined, fine. I think a dictionary will tell us what a shortened school day is. Yeah, it's something less than – so when you look at the definition of school day, which is in the federal regulations, and there may be um, – in your states, they may be it may be amplified. For example, in Ohio, that definition is expanded upon. But at the federal level, what it says is, well, school day is any day, including a partial day, that children are in attendance for school for instructional purposes. And it also uh, clarifies that it has the same meaning. A school day is the same whether you're a child with or without disability. So basically, everyone's school day needs to be the same. If that's seven and a half hours, it's seven and a half hours for the kid with multiple disabilities, and it's seven and a half hours for the valedictorian. It's seven and a half hours for everybody that was at the breakfast club. So we don't want to get lost in that piece of the first part of that definition where you even said it included a partial day. Because I know we've had some pushback on that. It is including of a partial day. It's a school day. But if you have to look at the secondary piece for all children, so some kids can have a reduced day. 
and that is all kids within a school district. If you're going to do a shortened day for one particular child because of disability or disability needs are requiring you to do that, that's something different and you better have some documentation. I do want to be clear, though. I know that we have done a lot of pods on discipline And we will continue to do a lot of pods on discipline, mainly because that tends to be where a lot of cases pop up to get attorneys involved. We are not circumventing the process through this pod with regard to if you are shortening days because of discipline, and that is the reason for doing the shortened day, that is a very different situation and you still need to follow the MDR process. Right. 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 Caveat to all of it, the asterisks always, unless parents agree. Right. Yeah. And and the case we'll talk about here momentarily is about behavior, but the, um, you know, spoiler alert, the change in schedule was not a substitute for discipline. And I think that's the key. If we're going to do it as a substitute, it either needs to be with true parent agreement, and we're putting all of that in writing, and they are signing on that dotted line, or you're following the MDR process. But what about, Jeremy, if we look at a shortened day for a 504 student? Yeah, so or, or even an IEP kid, but we're wondering about 504 mm-hmm. implications, right? Because almost all of them are protected by 504. So um, we just need to look at it. It's Again, it's, about, it's an anti-discrimination statute. And we just need to make sure that that schedule change is based on that child's disability-related needs, not anything else. Because if it's something else, if it's, oh, well, this is when we have the driver for the bus with the, the wheelchair ramp. If it's something like that, that is just straight-up disability-based discrimination. So it needs to be that child's needs. I do think, though, if it's going to be based on that child's needs and we're talking about a disciplinary reason, I'm going to strongly question as to why the student may not be on an IEP. If because of their disability, you are shortening their day and they're only on a 504. That's, I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. You uh, might have some questions. Just uh, my red flags, right? For, yeah. uh, that's what attorneys do. Um, maybe I'll get, that's what we'll do in the future. We're going to get red flags as if we're uh, refs in a football game. So when we do presentations from now on, we can throw red flags at people when we have a question or when we're going those, through those cases. Are yellow flags. Whatever. I'm changing are. them to red. I know they're mm. yellow, but it's. Would you just go with this stupid analogy? It's fun. I like the gold stars we give out to, to people now. So if you want to email us and give us your impressions, I'll mail you a gold star. Oh. I think it's a great idea. But I also like the red flags. I think okay. it'll, it'll make it more interactive. In All right. Any well, event. I'm going to throw a yellow flag and say, hey, let's, um, let's transition here. So we've talked a little bit about what the law says. Let's look at one example from a case of how this law has been applied. In, in this case, uh, it's a formal complaint decided by the Indiana Department of Education from April of 2023. And uh, it was a scenario where we had a kid, we missed some details, that's often um, how it is when we read these decisions. But we have a child with an undisclosed disability, we don't have an age, but you know, you start to make some guesses, and maybe emotional disturbance, maybe OHI or autism, hard to say. But it describes the child's needs, so refusal to complete work, yelling and growling, uh, threatening uh, to elope, uh, refusal to go to seat. So really, I mean, a lot of what I deal with when I try and get Aaron to record a podcast <laughs> with me. Yelling and growling, <laughs> throwing pencils and books. I don't, maybe. I mean, no. It was no. earlier. It was just my sounding like a gremlin because of my low voice today. It was great. Yeah. But I'm also making some assumptions based on this. You're inferring possibly ED or OHI, maybe mm-hmm. autism. I'm inferring probably an elementary kid, mm-hmm. not 
most likely a high school student, just making some assumptions, mm-hmm. educated guesses based on experiences that we've had, yep. especially because the case indicated there was physical aggression of hitting, kicking, biting, spitting, throwing. Those tend to be more of an elementary behavior. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean they can't happen older, but to necessitate where this case goes more of an elementary level. Yeah, and the child is ultimately placed outside at a separate facility. In this case, is uh, the complaint was filed less than two years after that happened. Another indication, probably on the younger side yeah. of things here. So um, this is a kid who ultimately the IEP team, with agreement of the parent, assigned the child to a separate facility, and that placement was for four hours a day, which was less than the regular school day for kids back at the uh, regular school building. So it was four hours a day, and we don't have the IEP in front of us, but uh, the Indiana Department of Education says the justification was the child wasn't showing adequate progress, had an intense level of support that was needed for behavior, and that the team concluded a residential or homebound placement would be too restrictive. So they needed to find somewhere in between, hence an outside placement. Doesn't really specifically speak to the schedule, though, um, but four hours a day at that outside placement. There was an FBA and a BIP, too, and it was implemented. Uh, It looks like everything really was done with fidelity per this uh, finding letter. Uh, So some of the things that were in place, a visual schedule, specially designed instruction related to some communication needs, as well as um, identifying and categorizing the link between the child's behavior and uh, the child's emotions. There was a token economy in place. There was instruction both in kind of that authentic, the moment of uh, a challenge, but also after a cooling off period where maybe there could be a little more uh, careful consideration. We don't all, none of us really take instruction well in the moment, but nope. sometimes that can be valuable. Uh, so really it looked like a, a great system in place. And uh, this is really key to the decision. The team met throughout the year. They did not just do their once a year annual review and say, great, we'll continue what we're doing. And when they met throughout the year, well, the the, the last meeting before the complaint, the parent didn't show up. Something was changing, and we're, we're making some guesses here. It sounds like the parent was probably frustrated with the short day and wanted the benefit of a full, full school day. We all rely on that, that are parents, right? Well, yeah. Well, and I would imagine at these team meetings, it's able – I've sat through a couple of these, right? So we look at it and go, is the kid progressing? Mm-hmm. So can you have – can you have those moments to say, what do we need to do differently? Can we extend the day? Can we shorten? Do we need to shorten the day? Do we need to do different behavior supports? I love all of those pieces because they're meeting the kids' needs as they go along throughout the school year. And it's not a set it and forget it. And I know the annual meeting is not that. But due to the intense level of behavioral support, it was probably necessary to have that level of review and consideration too, which is nice. But mom or the parent, Got it, mad. Yeah, it was mom in this case. She she got mad, did not come to the last meeting. And actually, that was a meeting where the team concluded, you know what, based on all the data we have, it's time to increase the school day. And they did it very incrementally. They didn't say, well, we left the regular school and went to a four-hour school day at a separate facility. We're either staying with that or we're going back to the regular school. No, they said, you know what? Three days a week, let's stick with the four hours here at the separate facility. And two days a week, let's go to six hours. So we're going to 50% increase on those two days a week still at the separate facility. That's when the parent filed the complaint. And uh, yeah, I previewed it as we were talking about the black letter law. 
the state sided with the school district and said, you know what, it, they didn't use the word textbook, but basically described this as a textbook way to handle it. It was a dynamic IEP. It was a dynamic placement. The school was clearly paying attention to what was going on. Uh, also, importantly, the school had a specific behavior plan that was in place that was designed, and they set it and documented it in the moment, designed to move toward and, and to measure when it's time to move toward an expanded school day. So really shows this was, to, to use your mm-hmm. phrase, it was, this was not a set it and forget it. This was really a dynamic child-centered disability-based decision to place this child separately. So wait a minute. In this podcast, did you have a happy client call uh-huh. and you had a decision in favor of a school district? Yeah. What are you doing I to me? I don't know. I just woke up on the right side Come of the bed on. today. I don't know. You are killing me right now. <laughs> So in looking at then a happy decision from a State Department of Education and looking at possibly some nuggets of lessons we can pull from this case, you know, let's look at practical tips on this topic because it is not an unheard of concept to go for a shortened day based on a student's disability needs, not, I can't even stress it enough, not discipline in nature, right? We're not doing this based on discipline, but we're doing this based on disability needs. And I think making sure we're on the same page. Yeah, and on the same same page specifically about why, mm-hmm. right? That that's such an important question we're looking at a shortened school day and I I could see this circumstance much like with our our books at the beginning yeah. where nobody even realizes they're not reading the same book. So just naming it um, sort of like I did on that call with my little brother yeah. so many years ago. Well, wait a second, man. Um, so naming it, hey, we think we're we need to look at this because of and and the of better be something about the kid's disability. It shouldn't be the parents, you know, convenience. It shouldn't be staffing shortages. Mm-hmm. It's something about that kid's disability. And it's the the need for the reduced schedule is for the kids need to do X or the need mm-hmm. for the separate placement and facility is for the need to do X. So we're sort of zoning in on where that can be same book, same page, same paragraph, same line, right? That's really where we're trying to be. And it might even be there are situations where, hey, a placement spot opens up. It might have a, maybe they have a six hour day instead of your school having a seven hour day. That is a change in what that day schedule is. But it might be we need to stabilize at that other place first. And so the placement decision is made. Everyone agrees for what that decision is for that shortened day. We are doing that even though it might not be a technical shortened day for why we're doing it based on the educational need, but also indicating we'll meet in two, three weeks. We need the students' behaviors to stabilize. Here's where we're going to focus at this shortened day, separate facility, whatever it is. And then we'll meet to talk about, all right, what's the what's the long-term plan here? For what level steps do we need to see for the student to be working towards, not earning, but what do we need to be seeing from the student so that we can expand their day and that work towards full day gen ed setting? So two really rich things you said there that I think we should expand on. One of them is that last piece about not earning, right? Mm-hmm. Every child is entitled to a full school day. If we don't do it, it's not because they haven't earned it. It's because that doesn't serve their needs. And and it sounds like it's semantics, but I think it's a lot more than that. So really being careful that this is not a discipline substitute, right? And we're not, you know, you don't need to prove yourself worthy of a school day. You just, We need to establish that, hey, we think we've got things in a place where we can give this to you and you'll benefit from it. Well, I mean, take example of a student does not tolerate doing academic work for more than 15 minutes at a time. 
you might have behaviors that occur after those 15 minutes because the student is not tolerating academics for more than 15 minutes at a time. So you might, throughout the course of a history with a student, do a shortened day to work not to 15 minutes, let's be clear, but that you are interspersing. And we are talking about as a district, listen, we need to increase the tolerance to academics to then know that we can increase the day. All of that makes sense. And it's not the student earning the time, but we have to be able to work towards tolerance to be able to show that the student can make it through a day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that it's appropriate for that student to have full access to that full day because of their tolerance. I mean, at least by virtue of example, what was the other rich nugget that I Yeah, I was nervous as soon as you started talking. I'm like, oh God, what was it? Um, You talked about scheduling a meeting. And, and I, you and I have both been in enough meetings where uh, it's a real difference maker as you sit there and a parent's really concerned. This is scary to think about their child having a reduced schedule or an outside placement or both put together and establishing right at that meeting, hey, we want to meet and setting it, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. whether it's weeks, whether it's months, whatever it is, but it's not just the next annual review. Setting the meeting right there in the meeting is a great practical tip and a way to reduce the weight of the decision that's being made for the parent to know, oh, they are serious. And if you're later reviewed part of a complaint of some sort, they were serious about not setting and forgetting this particular kid. And what are you doing between the meeting you're at and the next time you convene? You're making sure you've explored. You did this before you made the reduction in the schedule and you're also doing it throughout, you're making sure what other services, accommodations, and supports can we put in place that would serve the same need that the reduced schedule is? Are there any? Are there ways that we can do that and substitute out the accommodation of, I don't know, maybe reduced demands in the classroom and then sub in more time in the classroom? Is that something that's appropriate based on this kid's needs? Well, and I think taking in some of the parent input in that discussion, if you're looking at a shortened day, if the parents say, well, you know, but my kid absolutely adores recess and having that peer bonding time is important to the student, fine. It might mean that you look at how do you finagle in scheduling that shortened day if it's in your typical building so that it includes those pieces, right? Or if a student is very successful in math and it helps to build their confidence, right? It might not be that they can tolerate a lot of academics, but we might work towards setting the schedule that allows for recess and that math self-confidence to build more in because if we're self-confident, we're doing the things with peers, we could be having a greater ability to grow in that day back to a regular day because we're showing success. What I would very much warn about is saying ever to a parent, maybe it's a practical tip, we don't have transportation at that mm. time, so no. Mm-hmm. You That's our 504 violation there correct. probably, right? Correct. Maybe. I don't, well, maybe I not mean, that one, I guess. But it's not It's not a disability need uh, that's driving that decision. Correct. It is a district staffing or, right. I mean, even practicality of transportation. Yeah. So I think we need as districts to look at that from that broader perspective of if we're shortening, we're looking at what the transportation options are and not to short change options by virtue of transportation only if it's based on a kid need that that option is appropriate. Yep, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, flipping this 
coin over, um, sometimes it's the parents that are driving the mm. request or the push towards a reduced school day. They might be looking at how their child's performing at home and really worried. You know, gen anxiety often seems to be connected with this. The child has high anxiety, and I'm torturing my child to send her to this full-length school day. I want a half school day or something like that. And it can seem like an easy thing, like like our caller, great, we can be on the same page with this. Caution, the red flag. Yeah. Throw, throw the red flag throw as the though that flag. happens in football. I'm not, it's not football. Red, maybe that's red what we card. Need. Red card, maybe, you think thinking? Soccer. You're a soccer person. No, I like a red flag okay. because my flags go up. What color raise, are you? Yeah, raise a red flag. Raise so a red flag. That raises a red flag for us. Um, you know, if, if we're reducing a schedule because of a parent-driven concern, it really, we need to look at, but does that match the child's disability needs? Making fun of me for my flag color choices. What's wrong with it's, you? It's all right. Well, next time it's going to be a sparkle flag. I'm just going to say, throw the sparkle flag. It's going to be great. <laughs> and make jazz fingers afterwards. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. God, God bless it. All right. Well, hey, um, maybe I should take this back to the caller before I get in any more trouble. <laughs> so taking this back to our caller. So what do you do? So here we are. We're on the same page. And we do recognize there's a need, a child's disability-based need for a due schedule. Great. We just checked a whole lot of the practical tip boxes there. I think next steps for compliance are get on the same page with the parents about what you're going to be looking for that indicates it's time to revisit the decision and incrementally increase that schedule or move back to the more typical school setting. Get on the same page then because you're in agreement then. Don't wait until like happened in our Indiana case and the parent doesn't like it anymore. Correct. And then I think also um, – just documenting all parts of this decision, both in the IEP, which needs to really clearly state why it's a reduced schedule, and if it also happens to be an outside placement, why. And we're talking reduced schedule relative to that outside placement's typical schedule and also to your typical student's schedule. Document that in the IEP as well as in a prior written notice that really, at that moment when you're all on the same page, explains how you got there. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share and give us a review on your favorite podcast platform and follow or subscribe to On The Call. This helps other special education leaders find the podcast. If you have a topic you would like to suggest, a question about today's episode, or anything else you'd like to let us know, please email us at podcast at ennisbritton.com. A quick note, this podcast is intended to be used for general information only and is not legal advice. If you have a specific question, please consult an attorney. Whether by phone or this podcast, we're looking forward to being on the call with you again soon.